Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. <laughs> oh, my days. Wow. wow, what a story. Hello, Egg Chasers. This is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. We just love the game that much. We're back here on another Sunday night in the Rugby Dungeon, putting our family, putting our um, wives, children and the rest of our lives on hold to digest week. Well, is this the Autumn Internationals starting properly now, isn't it? I think so. I I think we can call it that. This is the first week of proper world rugby sanctioned internationals yes with a whole game just game 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 all day long from lunchtime till bedtime it was a rugby bonanza it was it was rugby fast you're right there jb yeah yeah carol talking all right (laughs) jb's just sorting out uh, the youtube video Mm -hmm. Uh, there we go that's jb right there by the way Hello, Timothy. Uh, that's Phil right there. Hello, Tim. I'm, I'm sort of thinking that, that shade of T-shirt, JB, if you are watching on YouTube, that's exactly the sort of T-shirt that might make you look like you're topless. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly that. It's exactly that. Flesh-coloured. Yeah, it's uh, it's not the greatest choice for YouTubing, but hey, it is what it is. Hey, we're here. Right, um, you, you can find us on uh, well, yeah, YouTube, uh, as, as you just heard. We're at Rugby Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Get involved, follow, tell your mates. Um, but let's let's talk about the rugby. Firstly, though, I just mentioned JB's in a flesh-coloured T-shirt and he's wearing socks today. Thank you for, for that, JB. Pleasure. Phil in his Sunday best. What's, Sunday. It, what's the story? It is Sunday. Uh, it's Remembrance Sunday, but yeah. also it's the Manchester derby. The derby. So I was uh, at the Etihad Stadium for, for that one. City. City. To watch City. City. Uh, who were victorious over my beloved Manchester United, unfortunately. Oh. So I've been to City before, in fact, twice before, in hospitality to watch uh, City play, obviously. And the first time was with you, Tim. And we sat on a oh, table yeah. with oh, Martin yeah. Keown, right? Yes, we did. And an unknown celebrity. He was clearly a celebrity because they played Wembley. I know nothing about music. Tim knows slightly they, more than wait, me. They played Wembley? Yeah, they played yeah. Wembley. They, well, whatever <laughs> band it was, I can't remember what it was. Now. I remember it. So so they played Wembley and we were chatting and he the, the stories he was coming up with I was like I think he might be in Metallica or <laughs> I think he might be in ACDC yeah. or something like that he was, the way the stories he was telling Yeah and then this then this woman showed up right Now this woman I can only describe she's got she had the elegance and yet somehow the same sort of look as an Afghan hound like that sort of like you know they're very elegant but they're still you know, they're very graceful after very that. very, yeah, very graceful Turns beautiful out, movers. When we said we you know we did rugby you know we do it remind me before the podcast this um, she goes oh yeah um, my boyfriend used to, uh, used to play a bit Shane Horgan <laughs> used to play a bit yeah he used to you know used to play a bit uh, anyway during during the game 
we were playing at Broughton Park. Our coach was called Duffy, right? Duffy. And uh, we were watching the game, and I can't remember why I said it. But, uh, as a joke, I, I said to Tim, I went, mate, these guys really need to be uh, having a session with Duffy. And the guy in front of us turned around and gave me a wink. I was like, what, the, what is this? <laughs> and it turns out the guy who we were on the table with was a guy called Billy Duffy, who was the lead guitarist of... Oh, I don't like, know. Like, it was... Uh, who, or lead, I, the, the only song I know of him is See, She, she Sells, sells sanctuary. sanctuary. The Cult. The Cult, yeah. So, not ACDC or... <laughs> no, they, not even Metallica. Metallica. The yeah. reason you thought it was Metallica, they were supporting Metallica. Yes. Ah, okay. Anyway, so we thought we were having lunch with Metallica is the short answer to that, and which I thought was a big deal, but well, we weren't. So regrettably, I had none of that in today's today's game. I just saw a very comfortable City victory. Well, yesterday we saw... Well, I would say we saw a load of amazing rugby. We did, You, you, two, you two did. Oh. I didn't. Why so, Tim? Why I so saw... Were you working no yesterday? No rugby yesterday. Ooh. The reason being is um, a while back I got contacted about doing some work. Metallica. <laughs> So basically, BT Sport, um, the football team, got in touch and said, there's no rugby game on the 10th, um, I noticed, so that means you won't be working. Do you fancy doing some football? Footy? At the time, I didn't put two and two together and go, oh, that'll be the day England are playing New Zealand. So I said, yeah, yeah, the, sure. The biggest England game for two years. So the biggest England game... Or more than, for two, more well, than yeah, two years. Well, two years since the World Cup, I guess it's the biggest and game. I spent the England-New Zealand game in uh, the county ground... Watching Swindon Town versus York City. Massive game. <laughs> big, big And reported on that FA Cup first round game. So we've both seen a bit of football this weekend. Yeah. Wow. I, I did intend to watch the, uh, the, the, the footy derby, but I uh, just couldn't get around to doing it. I, 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 I love being you. part of the, the wider BT Sport family. I just uh, didn't realise so the impact corporate. it would have on the rest of my day. So corporate. <laughs> um, so, How yeah, long so like result, Moto I... GP now? You've got to be doing that soon. <laughs> so I listened to... Hi, I'm Tim Cocker and this is Tight Lines. <laughs> <laughs> show all about fishing. <laughs> <laughs> I listened to Wales Australia on the radio, and what? all I all I watched on Saturday was the last fifteen minutes of Argentina uh, Ireland Argentina. Argentina. That was it. Oh, all I watched. What a shame. I've caught up with it though. So have you seen England? Yes. Let's get into that. No, let's not. Let's uh, first. Well, let's do it chronologically because the first international course was England versus USA. So I watched it this on. Um, <laughs> This on Friday night, which Friday is interesting. Night lights. Yeah, this yeah. was. I think it was at Saracens. It was at. It was at the. Uh, is that Allianz Park? No, no, no. Are we doing this? Yeah. Well, just because just... it was on Friday doesn't mean we talk about it first. Well, I'm just saying, highly, highly enjoyable yeah. game. And if you're looking for a future star of the women's game, may I suggest you look up Janine Duncan, the 13 for USA, lovely balanced runner. And when USA were getting hammered by 45 points to nil with a red card, uh, this girl scored an amazing try. So ha- have a look at her. Janine Duncan. Yeah, there I think go. it was her first international, plays for S- Seattle Saracens. Some good uh, good ballers come out of Seattle. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah, it's worth looking at because there's a lot of, th- a lot of things you, you can, you can learn, f- learn from that game. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Now. Any- anything more to say about Friday night? Well, I could talk about it for quite some time if you want me to, but I said I don't think you do. Let's move on. Let's move on then. To something that more people might have seen. Talk H. <laughs> Eccles. Talk H, Eccles. Very uh, good. Yeah. Well, we lost that one, so. Okay, let's move on again. Where do you want to start in terms of the rugby? It's got to be Twickenham. 
the big game. It's got to be. Yeah. Ne- next week it'll be Dublin. Yeah. Today it's Twickenham. Hell of, hell of an of an event. And I said you could learn a lot about the England game on Friday night. Well, I think the England game on Saturday has pretty much answered a lot of my questions about why Eddie Jones does what he does, is who he is, and what the future of this England team holds. Let's put it that way. So the first thing I would say is I think it was probably the best 20 minutes of England I have seen under Eddie Jones in his whole tenure. I think that first 20 minutes was outstanding. The first 20 minutes was as good as anything they've played at any other time, including uh, the Grand Slam when yep. he first came in, Completely agree including the 3-0 victory in Australia when he first came in. Yeah, that, that was, in fact, that was as good as I've seen any team play rugby in a long, long time, including the All Blacks in mm. that. So they retained, they retained their ball. They were ferocious down the middle. I mean, Kyle Sinclair, yeah. you know, in a 20-minute game, is about as good a forward as you'll find in the world. Uh, certainly as good a tight head prop as yeah. you'll find. No, no, I'll go forward. Forward. He he hits hard. His scrimmaging, okay, not quite there, but his defence is there. His carrying's there. You know, tw- and this sounds like a knock. It's not meant to be a knock, but in that 20-minute burst, he was outstanding. But they all were... Yeah. In in that twenty minutes, every, so, every man considerably outplayed his opposite yeah. man in that twenty minutes. Yeah. And yeah. I think the point about that is they were just so ferocious and so physical and worked so hard. I mean, actually, they were working so hard it was almost a little bit like doing uh, like lower le- level club rugby, where you make so much ground through the middle, everyone's sucked in. It's like ding ding ding, pass pass pass. Chris Ashton in, in the corner. I mean, that really is like level six, level seven rugby. I mean, well, that's how much more effective they were than the All Blacks. They played it so simple. Because the conditions were awful, really, mm. really bad, they played it real simple, a couple of carries up the middle, and then look for the options out wide, and they did it for the Ashton try, which was an amazing pass from Ben Youngs. Yep. And if it was someone else floating that pass, there might have been a lot more plaudits on so the Totally, that's exactly what I thought about that. If, if Cipriani had passed that, it, we, we, yeah, that would have I been mean, it. You know, if Cipriani had done that, it would just be another one in the Cipriani <laughs> catalogue of passes. I mean, then, then they did it again when Johnny May... Yeah. On the left-hand side, they created some space for him where it was a terrible pass from Owen Farrell, actually. But he picks it up and Grubber kicks through, which mm. puts pressure on the defence. But they did that brilliantly, partly because of the pressure that they put on New Zealand, but partly because New Zealand mistakes yes. granted them territory and possession. Yes. And territory and possession allow you to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the retaliate mistake from the kickoff gave them amazing territory and amazing possession. After that 20-minute session, they did not get either the territory or the possession at the same time for considerable periods of the game. Now, they did get it back, which is something we'll probably come on to later. Yeah. Now, this makes me want to tell you a story about my old coach, Gerard, who used to coach us rugby league. Gerard was like a five-foot-five man, tiny, tiny little man, beard, very squeaky voice, but knew everything there is to know about rugby league, like an absolute rugby league nose. And um, he used to have a defensive pattern called Psycho 60, right? <laughs> so for 60 seconds, you were meant to go Psycho. And this was like the idea, like, not Psycho as in hit someone, as in you work extra hard because you're on your own try line. Okay. And my question was like, well, if this is so effective, why don't we just defend like this all the time <laughs> and you know, get the ball back? And that's kind of what I felt about, um, about England. Like, well, if this is so effective, why don't you do it all the time? And the answer is... You simply can't. You simply can't. And yeah. I think this probably answers a few questions as to why Eddie Jones is so intense, why he beats up the England team so much in training, because I think he wants to see that from the start to the finish, and I don't think it's possible. 
he wants to see it for as long as he possibly can. Yeah. But yeah, they cannot they simply cannot no team can keep that up for and the I whole game. I think does that really I mean does that explain the South Africa losses? When they go ahead through great rugby and then they fade. Well, we don't know how much altitude had to had a part to play in that one. The one thing, on the one hand, I was like, "Yes, there's rain," and then on the flip <laughs> side, now I look back in retrospect, I'm like, uh, "The fact we played them in such horrible conditions, and quite often when you, well, basically, if you can see it on the TV whilst you're watching the game, it is bad. really, really bad. Because yeah. quite often when it's bad rain, it doesn't actually show up." Mm. so visibly when you're watching it so it was horrific conditions um and actually having played new zealand in those conditions i don't know how much you've actually got a measure of where england actually are <clears throat> in relation to new zealand well so the measure against new zealand is interesting and i say it's interesting for for a couple of reasons the 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 conditions the conditions it do call into it does call into question that more importantly actually i would say do you think that's New Zealand's best team? Uh, well, it's a team they'd be comfortable playing with in the <clears> World <throat> Cup final, is what I'd say. I think it's a team they'd be comfortable playing with in the World Cup final if there were a couple of injuries. Yeah. I, I, I actually think that um, New Zealand have used this as a bit of a test to see that back three. Uh, I think Ben Smith and Yuani are nailed on starters. I don't think in those positions, and I don't think Damian McKenzie's nailed on starter. And the centre pairing, I, I simply don't think that Sonny Bill and Goodhue are the starting centres. Maybe, maybe mm, not Goodhue. And actually, maybe not Sonny Bill. Yeah, I think you're probably right on both those. Yeah. Yeah. He does love Sonny Bill. I mean, I think he's probably stuck with Sonny Bill almost a little bit too long now, considering all the other options. I that can he's see Lynette Brown and and and, and, Crotty. and well, and Goodhue being the centres. What about um, yeah, possibly the guy who I've forgotten. What about him? Oh, big muscular fella plays in centres of hurricanes. Lau Mappy. Yeah, so he's on the periphery, I think. He's slightly outside, although with Sonny Bills, I think he had a bad game. Mm. Uh, I don't think I'm the only one. I think that does open the door for someone like Lau Mappy. Yeah, but, I, but I don't I, I don't think do, this was the first choice. Do you know who, do you know who disappointed me? Uh, Damien McKenzie disappointed me. Not at fullback. But when he came into the line as that, as that first receiver, I don't think he was nearly as effective as he can be. He was he was at times the best player on the park. Yeah, he, he was at that. times completely unplayable. Yeah. So in international conditions, yeah. no one could lay a finger on him. At other times, he was throwing mispasses to no one. He was kicking for touch outside his twenty-two and hitting straight into touch. His defensive positioning at times was awful, including the first try. He and the. Sky Sports, uh, Will Greenwood rightly pointed it out. Uh, he read Slade wrongly and w- bolted to the open side of the pitch, despite New Zealand having way more numbers than they needed on mm. that side and completely left An- Ashton unmarked. Mm. So he he had sublime, unbelievable, unplayable moments. He also is prone to some horror shows. And, and anyone who watches Super Rugby will know the sheer number of intercepts that he can throw at when he comes in, yeah. if he's playing 10 or coming in as first receiver, is dangerous. Let's talk about that England pack, because what a story Ben Moon is. Oh, yeah. He what was, a story, yeah, like, guys. he would never have been picked. He was brilliant. Uh, it, the last two games he, he has been, and what a story that is. He would never have been picked. Mark Wilson was never, ever going to get a look in, and ha- hold my hands up, fair play. Uh, fair play. And He was awesome. And credit where credit's due, Eddie Jones. So... Mm. It, a lot of people call him for him. 
and Eddie Jones has got him into the squad, seen how effective he can be, and he's not a traditional international number eight no. because he's not 19-plus stone. Uh, he has been sensational. And the athleticism that he shows over someone like Nathan Hughes or Billy Vanapola, he might not get those yards with ball in hand, but the athleticism to do some of the, the work that he did in defence and in attack was sensational. And then Wonderhill. Oh, right. my God. Well, and let's just have a think about this, right? Because Saturday morning, how would you feel if on Saturday morning you were England starting seven, albeit with an injury, and you felt fairly comfortable about the future, and then by Saturday night you were relegated to a mere distant memory, much like Tom Curry was? Because <laughs> you're right, Underhill was Wonderhill. astonishing. Let's give him his proper name from now I, on. I, I, like, uh, I like to call him Collision Master. <laughs> <laughs> He was unbelievable. But he's a, do you know what? He's a special player, isn't he? Because he has, even when he's not the best player on the park, he still has very, very special moments. Think about how on earth did he, with one hand, pull Scott Williams in, into touch to win the, to oh, win the game? Oh, yeah, that, that tackle back in the Six Nations. Like, yeah, the raw physical attributes oh. is ridiculous. No, no. They're just, he look, he is a, just to look at, he's a monster. I would say the other thing. The lack of raw physical attributes is a wonder. He's six foot... Was he six foot two? Six one. Six one, which is, by back row standards, tiny. He's built basically like you know, a Lord of the Rings orc. And <laughs> he just goes around and punishes people. I mean, it's phenomenal. Whatever, you know, he must just have... Uh, uh, there's a mindset that he, that he must have. I mean, it's so that, all mindset for him. That's the bit for me. So physically, he is incredible. Maybe not to look at, but physically to do what he does. But the mindset, yeah. To, imagine to go I mean, out there thinking. Imagine Andy Powell. Wait, when you say to look at, would you mean on the beach? He is. He would look good on the beach. He would look very good on the beach. His his neck is genuinely wider than his head. Yeah, but he, he's only as Jay said. So he's listed six one and. 103 kg, That's which, which is not big for for international. Imagine battle, his attitude again. His athleticism, the the amount, the work rate that he did was incredible. His mindset and P- PS beats his body. I mean, that's <laughs> the sort of thing which you know dreams made out of. Um, yeah, uh, 24 tackles, by the way. I mean, that's Jack Berger style numbers there. Yeah. I mean, it's just it was a, a performance for the performance for the ages. Again, as a, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of just the raw numbers. I but am. Huge it was fan. the it was the <laughs> it was the the impact that a lot of those the interventions, the quality of yeah, the interventions the quality when, of when he decided. And then, well, well, I'm sure we'll talk about his try later, which well, obviously was a try. Um, but yeah, just an astonishing, astonishing performance. Raw numbers, though, there are some raw numbers that that, that we need to talk about. The number 11. Does anyone know what the number 11 is? Uh, what the number 11 signifies? Uh, it's one fewer than the defenders beaten that Damien McKenzie ma- it, chalked up. Really? Yep. Uh, so wow. Damien McKenzie beat 12 defenders. So what does 11 mean? Phil knows. Tim, would you like to guess what 11 is? Uh, um, would it be... Such a high number, you're thinking it can't, meet, can't be that. What? It can't be that. Oh, you're not... Right. Come on, come on. <laughs> let, let JB have his moment. Has it got something? Eleven missed tackles yeah, by I, one Owen Farrell. Owen I Farrell by one O Farrell. We so? need we need to talk about this. So well, it's double. It's more than double the next nearest person. So it's almost all. I mean, it's 
We have a problem with Owen Farrell. I say oh, whoa, we. Whoa, I'm whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. Can, can we just start from the point where England conceded 16 points to New Zealand? That's In, in that's an 80 great. minute game. That's great. I think. Okay. So, Owen Farrell, I think, I think we're getting to a situation with him now where people have got to honestly look at him and say, he wasn't great in attack yesterday. Oh, mate, I'm, he... I'm not having this. This is ridiculous. He was let JB play his yeah. okay, narrative so, out. So let's, let's, let's look at the pros and cons. He, he was good. I don't think anyone would have been no. better in, in, um, uh, in attack, but he, but he wasn't great. Okay, So, you know, as good as you can get. That defence, I've now come to the conclusion, it is sheerly, it's completely, actually, uh, lack of discipline. That's the only thing it can be, and I don't mean it in a in a stupid way, as in like he is running around like go, blasting inside of rucks, that kind of thing. I think what he does off the field, i.e., the leadership, um, the knowledge, all the good things he brings, he is so desperate to lead on the field that he's now compromising himself. That's the only, eleven missed tackles. Mate, so so question on the missed tackles. When you finished that game, so, yeah. so you found out about the missed tackles this afternoon mm-hmm. when you messaged uh, a rugby group WhatsApp. Yeah. So as you finished watching that game, did you think, oh my God, Owen, missed, Owen Farrell missed a load of missed tackles? Well, I think the thing with missed tackles is when you're watching a game, like, I, I would have said, did he miss it? I'd say about five, I, 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 I would have guessed. But the thing is, it's not just a one-off, is it? It's every game. So there's two things that I think need to happen now for, for Owen Farrell. I think the first port no, of call... No, 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 do you know what? Before you go on about what needs to happen with Owen Farrell, I'll ask you one question. Okay, go on. Do England need to drop Owen Farrell next game? No. So what, who, gives, who, who gives a damn? I do, right? And so should England fans, because it needs to improve. No. I mean, look, we, we, we spoke last week, didn't we, about single points of failure. Now, the single point of failure this week, everyone's going to say, oh, Courtney Law's on, on the side. But you can't not address the fact that your captain is defending so poorly... Have you analysed the context with yeah. it? So, but, the, so, that, so that is. A, why is it always him? Well, no. So it, here is a question: Have you seen the Charlie Morgan tweet on this? No. And I, I, I hang on almost every word Charlie Morgan says. So please, so, to me. So he pointed out um, two tackles, only two of the n- nine made, eleven missed. Uh-huh. Um, one was against Damian McKenzie when it was a box kick from Ben Young in the first half. Damian McKenzie steps first time under Hill. Then Owen Farrell, then someone else. He steps three players. Yeah. But then Brad Shields nails him. Yeah. He beats three defenders but gets zero net meters made mm-hmm. because he gets nailed. Yeah. So that is a missed tackle for Owen Farrell and for Sam Underhill and I think it was Chris Ashton first, actually. Uh, but it's a net positive outcome for England because England win a penalty from Brad Shields nailing him. Right. So that is a missed tackle, positive outcome. Okay. Uh, there is then. Jake Goodhue carries into Owen Farrell. Is it Jack Goodhue? Uh, sorry, Jack yeah. Goodhue carries into Owen Farrell. It's Owen actually Jick. Jick. Jick Goodhue uh-huh. carries into Owen Farrell. Owen Farrell makes the tackle, concedes 15 metres because Jick Goodhue yeah. carries forward. Yes. And so, so next just, Yeah, I so know. Just I've, I've, looking, I know all the. No- but, but, so even with that, I, I think you do have a point to a point. So just relying on the numbers, as Tim says, is We all know about the raw data stuff, right? Well, we it doesn't sound like it when you're saying that there's a clear ha- pattern. Well, but, as Tim said, how many points did England concede? 
So from those eleven missed tackles, oh, who missed who missed the tackle for the Damian McKenzie? Yeah, but try? every time he no, misses, no question, who missed I've the tackle for the no Damian? Bentio. Right, fine. So, so how many of those tackles directly led to points against England? How many of them yeah, were it's, Owen Farrell? It's not just that, is it? Every time he misses a tackle, someone else has to pick up his workload. Well, you know, not not if that is a strategy. No, but the strategy can't be for one guy to miss more than double the tackles than everybody else. Well, you, well, you, you don't know because you haven't looked at the context of those missed tackles. Uh, but so 12, I'm not saying, okay, I, I'm willing to say you may have a point. So I, 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 think I know that, I've got a point. I you think may have a point, point in there. Yeah. But, but, so here, but so no, here's no, no, my no, 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 no. No, I just want to say you may have a point, but you don't know if you have a point. You are, you are <laughs> taking a raw There's number. one thing I know, and that's the things that I know. Right, so I know I have a point. I, I don't think uh, we need to talk right. about. It. Can you quickly make your point? Uh, here we go. Because <laughs> I think this. So sort of... I think there's two things that Owen Farrell needs to possibly do, or Eddie needs to do, to help him. First, um, I think he needs to speak to a sports psychologist because I this is this is my theory. My theory is he's so desperate to lead on the field that he is compromising. But himself. you haven't looked at any of the tackles to uh, to work That's out the if that That's correlates with no, what you're but, saying. Hey, if you watch Owen Farrell for long enough, right? You'll see he is he is trying to make big shots left, right, and centre. So I have seen that. And oh. these and that and what I've seen there, I'm matching up with what the uh, what the stats say. And I I think that's fairly okay. evident, right? Number two, I think if they had a real defensive leader in that back line, like a Brad Barrett, or maybe Ben Teo's the guy actually, that will take the pressure off Owen Farrell to, to compromise himself as much as he does. I understand it when he's next to Ford. Because he does literally have to be that guy. But when you've moved him in, I think actually, I, I actually think he might overcome this. But it depends on who is 12 and how effective that 12 is at, at tackling. Okay. So I, 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 I would say Owen Farrell is the first name I would have on my team sheet. He is the most influential, the most important, the most talented England player in that squad. He, he will be the most crucial. Um, and I don't want his attitude to change because his attitude is the winning mentality that pulls England through situations I agree. that other people couldn't. And actually, that's one of the one of the things, the thing I was disappointed about him wasn't the wasn't any issue with missed tackles. Uh, it was that he didn't show that same kind of forthright mentality in grabbing the game by the scruff of the neck and going for a drop goal at the end. So so I also wanted to talk about Owen Farrell, but so I came off that game not at all thinking Owen Farrell had missed 11 tackles or even concerned about his defence. He put in some great hits, including covering tackle on uh, McKenzie and a big hit on, a very good, timely hit on uh, Kieran Reid. That wasn't what I was concerned with. It was more the second half when when Hartley went off and he, all the pressure was on his shoulders. He had some decisions to kick for the corner or take points, which he chose, and I understand it at the time, and hindsight is a very easy thing, and it's so comfortable for us to sit here with hindsight and say, oh, you should have kicked sticks. Understood the decisions at the time. But when you compound those with also then not taking the points uh, for the for drop goal... I'm not even having a go. Yeah, it does. So that does raise some, con- some concerns. Maybe not necessarily with Owen Farrell, but with the structure of the England team if Hartley isn't there as captain. And if they have to rely for oh, Owen yeah. Farrell for getting the territory oh, no. position, which he did beautifully. I pulled out my um, my oh. cable. Disaster. And fair play to Eddie Jones for saying afterwards, no, totally back the players 100%. Um, I, think yeah. it, I think it was some wrong decisions. And it's amazing, actually, that this 
at this elite level, we've talked about this before, South Africa, Australia and England all probably p- potentially cost themselves a win or a defeat, cost themselves a win by not taking the easy three points last uh, week in this. And uh, not that long ago in the New Zealand-South Africa game, when South Africa beat New Zealand in New Zealand, yeah. there was some odd decisions being made right throughout that game, including multiple options in the last five minutes for drop goals. And on that front, uh, again, someone who should probably get plenty of credit because Matt, God knows he's had so much stick over the last little while. Dylan Hartley, his stock's risen, hasn't it? Yeah. God, uh, yeah. I tell you, now, um, I have a special skill. I'm sure everyone's bored of me telling, telling <laughs> me about my special skills. But just one? Yeah, 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 just, just the one. And Phil will vouch for this, right? And it's this. I can look at hookers, right, before yeah. they're about to throw, and I can tell you before they throw if they're going to miss their throw. This, this, this is a bona fide skill. Am I, am I wrong, Phil? Uh, you, you are certainly way more right than you are wrong right. in that regard. I, uh, Jamie George is holding the ball, and you can see him shuffling his feet, and you can see him, like, he's, he's nervous, uh, nervous on the ball. And I don't know what it is, because, uh, you know, Jamie George is a really good, good, really, really good hooker. I don't know if it's the occasion, but I doubt it, because it's not that much bigger than a European Cup. And he's, final, thro- he's throwing to two people that he's thrown to since Academy days. All yeah. the time, yeah. And he's, they carry on hammering. Uh, Itoji at the Itoji. Two ball. So my question is, who on earth is making that call? Because they, when it's, they went to Mark Wilson t- towards the back, it was, it was far easier. Yeah, I can tell you for one thing, it's not Jamie George making that call. Yeah, I, I completely it's agree. Cruz or Ewells, and you can almost see him like he's like, I'm going to have to throw it into into Italic again. And then, and he, Jamie George knows that New Zealand know. Yeah, and so he knows he's got the the narrowest letterbox of a window. Yeah. To possibly try and post that through. So one of the biggest myths in, in in rugby, and maybe you'll back me up here, Tim, is front ball is easy. And front ball is not easy, right? Because front ball is all about timing. You know, you've got to be that ball's got to be be in the air. You've got to go in, go in, go up after the ball. You've got to intercept the ball. At, no, at I, 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 dis, I disagree. Do you, it is easy because you should be able to because you know when you're going to jump, and the opponent is reacting to you jumping. Mm. You should be able to get in the air quicker. At which point the the hooker should be able to have already got the ball to you before they're actually properly in the air. The problem with it is it's the least useful ball. So yeah, well, there is that, that actually too. that actually probably demonstrates the the skill and athleticism and, uh, of Brody Retallick to get up to so quickly. But, uh, I tell you what, they weren't even right at the front. They were sort of like you know, if you've got one, two, you, you, he's probably standing at three or four. Yeah, exactly. So it was it wasn't like a bullet right at yeah. the very front. I thought they were strengths. They... Although I will say, Dane, Dane Coles, he throws his arrows like an absolute bullet. I love it. He just fires it. Yeah. But, but yeah, good, the... It is good to see Dane Coles back, it is. back and fit after so, some bad injuries. Dylan Hartley's stock um, has, has definitely risen. And as you said, the leadership, the sort of calm, the air of calmness in decision-making yeah. has creaked. And bearing in mind the last World Cup, England need that. Let's it... talk about how the game ended. Come on. <laughs> well, you win some, you lose some. That, that's all I've got to say about that. I mean, I didn't like the standard. I didn't like the standard of it because if that's done in open play and they have a phase and they score, no one's coming back for that. If they don't score, no one's going to call, call it offside. The referee can the referee can see it. The referee let them play on. That's on the ref. He got it wrong, um, and it should have been a try. Simple as that. But on the replay, he looks offside, and I just think sometimes you win you win these decisions like England did last week. Sometimes you lose them. It just averages out. I do generally agree with that. It is. I don't. So, 
I don't want to focus on this too much because kind of the point I made last week was uh, it, you can always focus on an individual component failure in a game. England had more than enough chances in 22 mm. kicks to take and opportunities to win that game and they should look at other things like that. Uh, that said, it was frustrating as an England fan yeah. to watch it happen. Uh, 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 Owen Farrell should 100% have got at least a penalty against him last week. That might have lost England the game. And I just don't think that should... I don't even think... I think that's not even a decision for the video ref. That, that, that's what I think. I think if the referee's look, look, looking at the damn looking thing... Looking at this in isolation, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's where, so that's where I stand. That is interesting because we are now working under the uh, 2018 TMO protocol, which... Oh, can't wait. Came, I mean, came been, in this weekend. I've been waiting for the 2018 TMO pr- protocol <laughs> since 2015. This was the first weekend of it. Yes. Wonderful news. Do you know what it was? No. It is that, and correct me if I'm wrong, Phil, because you, you will, because you, you clearly know it, um, but my understanding of it is TMOs only alert the referee to something that they may have missed if it is clear and obvious. So it's, it's interesting <sighs> because... The the wording is actually unclear on that, so that's my understanding. The irony. That's my understanding. Yeah, exactly the irony. But I'm looking at the um, the World Rugby announcement of it, um, and it does the clear and obvious only comes in to serious acts of foul play. The and then it goes on. So the two things are the clear and obvious serious acts of foul play and the try-scoring element, which doesn't include the word clear and obvious. And all it says is the team of four, so the team including the TMO, can contribute to the decision-making for try-scoring. Which is because if if it was that it should only be clear and obvious, it should only be used where there's a clear and obvious uh, indiscretion prior to a try being scored, the fact that they had to look six times at Law's, whether he was onside or offside, whether the ball's been... Is out or whether it's, it's been picked obvious. up, yeah. then it's therefore it's not clear and obvious. But yeah. the wording is not clear and obvious, unfortunately. So the rule application is not clear and obvious. So maybe it was correct, but it's just frustrating that we're in I'll, this position. I'll try and do this quickly, but I've got <laughs> so much I can say about this. <laughs> uh, and so much I'm really, really unhappy about. Firstly, I was it was noticeable the the lack of our Celtic um, fellow rugby fans who weren't oh. kicking up a massive oh. fuss, a, a decision, go. an incorrect decision at the end of a game in the way they were last week. Now, I don't want to cast aspersions on uh, in generalities because... No, go for it. Twitter's a place <laughs> where you'll always find some Please numbers, do. But it, it was so weird, the number of Irish and Welsh fans last week who were so angry at England having won that game. Very quiet this week on that front. Interesting. And actually, broadly, I think that England fans, actually, and you'll always find idiots, obviously, but I actually think England fans, much like, and I know you're not, not an England fan, James. I'm not an England fan, though. But the, the, way, the way that you two have, have done it, which is actually, do you know what? We, there's other, we should have won it, or we shouldn't have been put, putting it in the control of one decision at the end of a game. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, I, I, it's been quite a magnanimous response to it. That may just be because England weren't expecting to be as close. What you're saying is England fans are far more balanced with their judgments than, say, Irish fans, right? Is that what you're saying? (laughs) No, I'm not saying that. Anyway, (laughs) I've made that point. Um, Certainly not my view. uh, 
This, I, I think this was ridiculous the way it was handled. And the biggest issue I have is that the TMO got involved because there's nothing clear and obvious. Like, <laughs> it's not, is there? Yeah. Um, well, and the, uh, ironically, the Owen Farrell tackle last week to me was clear and obvious. It was it was clear and obvious that it needed looking at. Well, uh, and this is the other thing I want to say about the way people talk about it. So last week and this week, all quite often you get people who use this language. They say that was, and I think to be fair, you said it last week, JB. You went that was one hundred percent a penalty for against Owen Farrell. It was, and then there's people this week going that was one hundred percent offside. It was actually the starting point should be no, no, no. These uh, we should. Re- these are nothing's hundred percent about these because otherwise, it, there wouldn't have been six replays each time. So it's not a hundred percent. Yeah, these are these are maybe marginal one way or the other. Well, and you get this these. is far far more marginal than Owen Farrell's last week. Yeah, I, you know, I, this I, one. I think he probably was offside, but I just don't. I can't, well, I can't in good conscience give it. Well, on this particular incident, do you know what's quite interesting is uh, if well, Courtney Laws was offside because the ref gave him offside. So but he yeah. was offside because of the law that was brought in because England couldn't handle the Italy offside line because it wasn't a ruck. It was a tackle. It was a tackle. It wasn't actually a ruck by the by the letter of the law. I think he was onside. You can all and again one thing we said last week. You can always find still pictures which prove your point of view. And the number of still pictures going, so he's clearly offside. Yes, there are pictures that make it look like Courtney Laws is offside. What people are forgetting in that instance is that photograph that people are picking is where the camera angle is on an yeah. angle. Yeah. Look, look, and actually, loads... if you look at the, the, the line of the grass, the way it's mown, you can see he's behind Ben Young's. At the last second, I don't know who it is, but the, 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 the New Zealand player steps forward and lengthens the ruck. And then, because Courtney Laws said, the ref says, yes, you're onside to Courtney Laws. Yeah, that's, that's even more egregious, the New, the New Zealand player steps beyond Ben Young's yeah, or George Ford, whoever's on the floor. Further. And that's why the TMOs called him offside. It's really, I, I really don't like that. The, the biggest issue I have with this is one, the TMO called it, but secondly, that Jerome Gar says completely abdicated responsibility for that decision as the referee on the field. Now, he, Kieran Reid went up to him and said, You've got to check for offside. You've got to check. And yes, he, Kieran. And he said, No, <laughs> no, I'm happy. TMO says, I think you need to check. Jerome Gar says, before giving, that, before giving the penalty, says, literally says to the TMO, what should I do? What do I do? <laughs> Amazing. He watched it a ton of times. Jerome Gar says, he's like, oh my God, I don't know. What... And, he actually... and the TMO tells the referee what decision he should give, despite the fact Jerome Gar says has seen it 10 times by that point. And that, the... I think, is outrageous of the referee on and, the field. And that is definitely against the 2018 TMO protocol, which says the... Try scoring should be an on-field decision with the referee being responsible. There you go. And so I, J- Jerome Gar says, of course he would got argue, himself it, bullied. It wasn't by... the try scoring decision; it was the offside decision. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but you can't go back for just now, offside. You can only go so back. for I will it tell you a try this, uh, try this week that I thought was a try which wasn't given as a try by letter of the law. Did you see uh, uh, the Colby try, Cheslin Colby? I know you did because you didn't sit next to oh, me. Oh yeah. Yeah, the, uh, yeah. the grounding. Yeah, I mean, you were hammered at that time. Oh, yeah. You were all over the show. Uh, two beers deep at that time. Deep. <laughs> so Chesson Colby, who I'm now thinking is like the next Shane Williams, he actually is on par. I mean, there's lots of people who are called Shane Williams-like. Well, this guy actually is Shane Williams-like. He's amazing. He's electric. Yeah, step, 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 step. Over for the try. Gas, gas, gas. Gas, gas, gas. But then it looks like he throws the ball forward, doesn't ground it properly, then grounds it. 
actually what happens is the French guy strips it from him, right? So if you... You as, did a bit as of reffing. He, he's, he's sliding yeah, in. Yeah, he's sliding in. The French guy strips it from him, right? So it's actually the French hand that removes the ball from Colby. Now, you've done, done some reffing, Tim, so you'll know a strip is not on, not, not forward. No. Right. As he strips it, he accidentally puts it between his legs, the French guy's legs. So now the French guy has kind of got Colby in like a semi-seatbelt sort of tackle. Colby's diving. The ball is between the French guy's legs. His legs are kind of rotating towards, towards Colby's head. And then when they're over the try line, he relaxes his legs, the ball rolls forward, Colby, Colby touches down. To me, that is a trial all, all day long, by letter of the law. So I, I think you're probably right. I think letter of the law is actually a try. I couldn't in good conscience, and I, it was Nigel Owens, wasn't it? Yeah. He he knows, Nigel knows the laws, and he also knows the intent of the laws. Yes, the, intent, the intent of the laws. The intent of the laws is for that not to be a try, yeah. even though the letter of the law says it should be a try. But then Nigel is the guy that gave, uh, who was it? Was it um, Toulon against Munster? Was it last year? Oh, God. When, uh, when, when Keith Earls, uh, Ashton's chasing through to, to get, collect a kick and score in the corner... And Keith Earls runs in front of him and slaps, like tennis slaps tennis yeah. slaps the ball into touch and Keith Owen Keith Owen, uh, Keith Owens, Nigel. Uh, Nigel Owen says, Oh, he was trying to catch it. Yeah, it was Zebo. Was it Zebo? Zebo yeah, was, was, was yeah. One of the monster back three. Yeah, so anyway. So just uh, shuffle so, about there. No, that's all right, mate. So, so yeah, England were unlucky. Um I think I've seen enough of Eddie Jones to know where I stand, stand on him now. I don't well, think he's going to get fired like I thought he was ooh, originally. So, so that brings on to another point. Is it time to open the envelopes? Well, I don't think he's going to get fired. Well, so surely we should open the envelope. No, he, I think not we, should, get... we should leave him because he's, he's going to go at some point and then it'll be interesting <laughs> to see who we thought was going to be the guy. He's not going to go pre-World Cup, though. <sighs> well... He's not <sighs> going to go pre-World Cup. No. It's, it's looking less unless, likely now. Unless he loses five from five... And has some kind of major breakdown during Six Problem Nations. Problem is, like, England just are not far enough away from everyone else. They're behind Ireland and the All Blacks, and they're in that big group of everyone else. No one, to me, is a clear third. No, I'd, I'd agree with that. And I'm so, hoping this means it's going to be an amazing World Cup. Oh, I think it is, mate. I, I have uh, no doubt about it, actually. And I, I think the most amazing World Cup could be if something like 2007 happened, where France knocked New Zealand out in the quarters... Yeah, if something like that, if New Zealand go out in the quarterfinals, which is possible, it would be yeah. all so, open. Do, do you know what else is possible? Like Ireland's route to the to the World Cup is, and we can get onto them soon. But Ireland's route to the World Cup, if they balls up their pool and finish second, they get New Zealand, which is great for everyone. If they top their pool, the chances are. They only get. They would only get New Zealand in the final if both teams get there. Personally, yeah. I, I personally I think the most dangerous team in the World, in the World Cup, uh, if it was to be played tomorrow, is Wales. Um, and I don't mean like the favourites. I mean the team that everyone wants to avoid because they can grind it out. They can grind of... anyone to dust. Um, so <laughs> that that would be that would be my fear. I don't think New Zealand fear them. But the problem New Zealand have now is. Yes, they are still number one, but every you know, it's not like there was one and then two good teams and they could ha- hammer everyone. Every game now against the top tier nation is bloody tough, particularly excuse me, particularly if you're not at home. Well, so New Zealand, so you say Ireland if they win their pool they avoid New Zealand. 
New Zealand have South Africa in their pool. Mm. Oh, so, oh, good so luck, boys. Imagine Ireland going through all the hard work of winning their pool, beating Scotland and Japan, to only to find South Africa have already beaten New Zealand, so they yeah. then face New Zealand. So I'm going to go back on all the things I've just said now, because <laughs> I actually think the number one team come the World Cup might well be South Africa. Could so, be. So we, we, we were watching this. We were watching uh, South, South Africa France. Do you want to talk about South Africa France? Well, just whilst we're here. I, well, we, we've already talked about the tr- uh, the Colby try. Yeah, no try. You, I think you just mentioned Wales. I think we should go into that because it's their, yeah, their okay. first win in ten thirteen years. years. Yeah, ten years more than ten, ten years. Attempts. Eleven attempts. Yeah. eleven defeats. Or yes. they're, 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 either it was their eleventh game. They, but they've got a horrendous it's a long record. time. <laughs> they've got an awful record against Australia. Terrible. An enormous monkey on their backs. And Australia shot themselves in the foot big time. Well, Australia... So th- this was a very interesting game. Consider it was 9-6, and t- uh, six of those points were scored in the last five minutes or so. This was a very interesting game, because it was far more open than the 9-6 scoreline suggested. Hit pause. Because I've just forgotten one other one final thing I want to say about the England oh, thing. Don't, don't, sorry, don't actually hit pause. No, no don't <laughs> actually very, hit pause. Very precise with your language, please. <laughs> okay, <laughs> just hold off on Wales because I completely forgot to mention and, and I want to mention. So, decision was made, you accept it, you win some, you lose some. Then, in the subsequent passage of play, the amount of penalties that New Zealand should have been penalised for, know. it was so infuriating. So. Um, JB said this yesterday. We were kind of joking watching yeah. the uh, France South Africa game, but he said it flippantly. But it, it may be correct that New Zealand gave a load of penalties away, or should have given a load of penalties away around the rook, particularly defensive rook oh guys flying goodness. in off their feet from left, right, yeah. and centre. If everyone does it from the New Zealand side at every rook, you can't penalise every single person at every rook. So they just seem to get away with it. Yeah, it's it's incredible. Yeah, it is. Anyway, there we go. I've exercised that demon yeah. via this podcast. Thank you very yeah, much yeah, you for humouring right. me. The, the New Zealand breakdown is an utter disgrace. And I think if they all do it and they're high-profile enough names, no one's going to question them. If there's going to be like one... They can't all be wrong, can they? Well, yeah. <laughs> if there's going to be one world rugby law change, or just, just crack down, a protocol going forward, it's examining the New Zealand breakdown. Yeah, yeah. it's amazing what they get away with. Yeah, well, and... and uh, just more broadly, because this, let's remember, it was probably a weekend when a lot of rugby fans would have watched their first rugby game of the season. Yeah, yeah. This is a Absolutely. huge shot window for yeah. for rugby union. And you come away, I think, if you're a casual fan, so confused. And I don't think rugby helps itself Nearly as much as it could. Well, Simpl- simplifying the game. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't know about that. I, oh I, come on! Who wants to? Who, what casual rugby fan wants to come away going? So what? Why? So yeah, why are they? Why is everyone? I don't know. Why was that not a try? Off? What? Yeah, but I'm an I, I'm an elitist, right? And <laughs> you certainly are. Yeah, and therefore, so what? You know, so what if the average punter? You know, there's eighty thousand people in Twickenham. We don't need any more, and most of them aren't watching anyway because they're absolutely hammered on the on the uh, on the company credit card. So. Am I bothered that they don't understand? I, mean, I don't understand the laws. I was, I was looking at one of my favourite uh, tw- Twitter accounts today, a guy called Dead Ball Area. Is it Dead Ball oh, Area? Oh, God. No, he's, you know, he, he's, he's, a, he's a, great, a great analyst of the game and also co- coaches in Social Sevens. Uh-huh. And he's explaining, like the, like, the rock law. I was like, crikey, I didn't know that. And I've only played the game for 20-something years. Well, th- there you go. Good. 
good. It should be incomprehensible. <laughs> it's, a, it's a characteristic yeah, in its own that's, right. So <laughs> that's how the game grows. Well, it's where, where okay. people that people it's that okay. people that obsess and a bunch of rugby noses can't even understand the laws. Now, good. Uh, right, that, 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 I, that, right, that, I, how's that working out? That's, that's going to go well. Can I just clarify this? What is a rugby nose? Because this, this is like a fairly new phrase. Someone called me a high, a high-profile journalist. No, no, uh, a journalist. He's certainly not high-profile. But um, called <laughs> called me a rugby nose. Yeah, you are. Is that a compliment or not? Does that mean I, I know, uh, enough, or does that mean that I wear that I look like a top gear top gear subs, uh, subscriber? I, I'm not boot, sure. Bootcut jeans. Bootcut jeans. I mean, like, what does it actually mean? I think go you go too deep. Go too far. Go, well, not too far. That's the wrong but word. But I coach rugby. I mean, <laughs> you would expect I, I should. I should know it in some in some kind of degree, right? Mm, yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, I I, I don't. I assume it's a compliment. A, 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 uh, it would be <laughs> you rugby knows. Oh well, I do a podcast on it and I coach. Uh, <laughs> mm. I can only assume it means that, um, I don't know, I don't know. But thank you anyway, I appreciate that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, take it, on it, a business take card. it in the way it was Rugby intended. Knows. Speaking of confusion, yes, and leading on from the TMO uh, decision. and as we're Debacle. Go- debacle. And as we're going on to Wales-Australia, yeah, there was a TMO decision in the last five minutes of this game. Yes. Which, thankfully, did not change the result of the game, and the correct result was... Uh, won out in the end by Wales. The Karevi on Lee Halfpenny. Yeah. And so the Karevi on Lee Halfpenny, the the most astonishing thing was not the uh, commentator's reaction. Mm -hmm. And the commentator's reaction, I was infuriated but expected. They were saying, oh, no intent, so play on. (laughs) No, no. Uh. The referee, the referee's reaction to... Alan Wynne Jones, when Alan Wynne Jones is saying, "Sir, can we have a look at that, please?" He said it wasn't deliberate. The words he used were, "It wasn't deliberate foul play," so I can't look at it. In nowhere, nowhere in either the laws or the the recent uh, 2018 TMO protocol does it say it has to be deliberate, clear, clear and obvious uh, is one thing, but it was a shoulder to the head. It was a nah. shoulder charge to the head of Leaf Halfpenny. No, nah, it wasn't a shoulder charge to the head. It, well, it was a shoulder <laughs> connecting to the head. It wasn't a shoulder <laughs> charge to the it head. It was, it was, it was shoulder <laughs> to the head. Did his shoulder touch uh, his head? He was charging. Yes. He was charging. His shoulder <laughs> yes. hit his head. He was charging. But it wasn't a shoulder charge to the head. So you, you want to mitigate. You, you, you want to... Oh, okay, fine. We're, we're back no, no, here no, again. No. I'm not, I'm not going to go into it. You, you, no, want, no. you want to make you want to make total accidents outlawed. No, Karevi's got to look where he's going. I mean, look, yeah, look, yeah. look, look, look. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you're right. Look, uh, if I'm not looking where I'm going and I mow over a child, oh my God. you might say, I didn't mow over a child. Well, I mean, I was mowing a child at the time, <laughs> but I didn't mean to mow over the child. Well, well, when you say mow, do you mean drive? Is that because that's drive, yeah, 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 okay, because I was going to say, that's, that's <laughs> the word. Lawnmower. The, the, lawnmower is the, reckless. The charge, the, <laughs> <laughs> the charge and the word mow are the two bits I have an issue with there. If you went, did my car go <laughs> over the top of a child? <laughs> yes. Did his shoulder make contact well, with, the, with the head area? <laughs> yes. Well, did you mow over a child? No. That's like, no, no I, I didn't, you, didn't, you didn't hit on the accelerator and go, oh, extra points. Ooh. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Let that mow And Karevi had the Karevi, and, and, and I know it's not in the laws, didn't intend. He was well, he was he was legitimately trying to well, trying to get the I'm ball. Not sure. So so Sam Warburton made an excellent point on this. 
after the game, Sam Warburton, Go on. Sam Warburton, who I like, because some of the other older pundits were saying, oh, rugby incident, uh, carry on. Yeah. No, no intent. Yeah, I'm with them. Sa- Sam Warburton made the excellent point that if you're actually trying to charge down the ball, your, your shoulder should be nowhere near Lee Halfpenny's yeah, head. Yeah, it needs to be on the, on the foot. Your sh- yeah, your head, shoulder, arm should be at the f- uh, Lee Halfpenny's feet. Oh. So you I, should be miles see, away from so his I head. Try, oh, so I, so, so I, th- I think he did know exactly what and, he was doing. And I, I was watching um, Sail Shocks train. And when they're defending the kicks... You train to dive at the feet. That, that's exactly what they said. They said, target the foot, target the foot, target yeah, the yeah. foot, target the foot. And he's, he's, not, he's, not gonna, the foot. he's not going to block. Not, he's, he's not going to charge down a kick by having his shoulder was, at Lee Halfpenny's yeah. head height. Well, there was one guy saying, um, "Look away and jump head heights." Yeah. I don't know what. I don't know who's coaching him. Shoulder charge his head. <laughs> I mean, uh, David, <laughs> that the is feet. what. Uh, no, no, I, 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 I see your point, Tim. I, I don't do want. I don't want to live no. in this. I don't want to no, live, live in this world. world. So, I don't want to live in this world. So, uh, so what my, are you giving to my game? My whole my whole point on this is is not to maybe it was complete accident by Crevy. I'm not here to determine that. I'm here to call out the inconsistency by yeah. the the inconsistent application of the law by the referee. And in the referee saying it wasn't deliberate, therefore I'm not looking at it, that is such a dangerous precedent and it is at complete odds with all of the advice that World Rugby are giving us to try and yeah. create a consistent approach. What I would say is um, Alan Wynne Jones shouldn't be going to the referee going, can we have a look at a TMO decision? I, yeah. Shut, uh, shut yeah, up, leave that, that for the TF, TMO. Yeah, that, that's, that's another fair well, point. Here's, 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 here's my takeaway. The guy I felt sorry for was the ref. Because as an obstinate man, right, who doesn't like to back down from things? I know exactly how he felt. Are you? Yeah, <laughs> true, true. I know exactly how he felt. He knows he's made the wrong decision. He looks at it on the screen. I, you can just see like the color draining from his face. It's like, um, yeah, it's not an act of foul, not an act of foul play. And the reason I felt for him is because he knows he's been watched by the whole world, and he knows that the the World Cup, as you've said, Tim, is not just a World Cup for players; it's a World Cup for officials, and that will be held against him. I, and, I, well, I think it should be. Well, yeah. do you not? But do you not think? And I made this and he, point. And I made this point well. last week. The 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 way that Northern Hemisphere referees have been refereeing domestic leagues up here and in the European Cup is very very different to the way Super Rugby's been officiated, and much much more pernickety and much more um, more. Uh, I don't know. Just. See, it seems to be they're seeking out these moments and these these situations much more. And the and the Southern Hemisphere referees and last week and this week, an Australian in the England game and a New Zealander in the Wales Australia game, both are a bit more like, well, stuff happens. Yeah, yeah. I, it might just be a the the, the adjustment. Oh, oh, again, yeah, what we want is a standardisation and a consistency. But we shouldn't start saying that. Um, I think he, in good faith, made that decision. I think just like last week, probably. Just, yeah. Yeah. Although I, I think it could have been, I think it's okay for him to then hold his hands up and say, and "Oh, t- maybe we should." Look I tell at you it. what, and I knew it happened immediately. Is he instantly gave Wales the penalty back? Yeah. So that so the penalty that won it for Wales, yeah, yeah. Um, that was him leveling out, leveling out the game. So Hannigan, Ned Hannigan, stupidly lies on the wrong side. I can't remember the name of the reserve. Wales prop who comes in oh, and just locks him into place. Yeah, they, he just there is. There's no way the the reserve Wales prop is not supporting his own body weight because his knees are on the floor because he's trapped Ned Hannigan on the ground. Exactly. 
So that could have been a penalty either way, but the ref had to give it to Wales because it ended up being the right result in the end. And do you know what the problem here is? We've probably spent, and, and it will be the same. It was the same in the Sunday papers. It'll yep. be the same on any other podcast. A huge chunk of time will be spent talking about individual refereeing decisions. Oh, I, what, like, yeah. like our podcast. I, well, yeah, exactly. exactly. That's like my that. point. And I can't, I can't, I can't. This is where we've got to, and I hate it well, that this is where we're at. Yeah. Well, I, you know, to me, it's quite clear. You just got it wrong. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I, I, I don't. I don't I, think it's a. I can't. I can't help but think the only way we can get over that is getting every single decision correct, ooh, ooh, where ooh. everyone agrees it's correct, which actually means more TMO. Because it, it's it's the it's the instant decisions that are wrong. So football's a really good example of this, where there's no VAR in in the uh, Premier League. And decisions consistently go the wrong way when it is key decisions for penalties and the like. And that ends up just being the, the sole focal point. So I'm not sure there's an easy fix for that. Well, the the problem it has led to, the unintended consequence, which we always talk about, mm. is captains running up to referees going, can we have a look? Yeah. Hate that. Yeah, I hate that as well. Uh, You're right. Half-time and post-game analysis all about individual decisions. Hate that, yeah. Although it's necessary, podcasts and all, all the rest of it. Yeah, part we, of it. we are as bad as anyone. Social media it. is just that's it. It's a, it's a, it's like a one-topic, yeah, arena. Um, so you yeah. reap you reap what you sow, and this is this is where it's got to. I think I think you're right, and actually to counteract all of that, we should have spent more time analysing England's failures and New Zealand's successes in that game compared to talking about the the one decision. Yeah. Mm. Uh, right, okay, can we talk about um, my favourite game of the week, though? Well, I think we should give more credit to Wales on Oh, yeah, yeah, for their... well, look, Wales were great. And, you know, the, the work rate and intensity that Wales bring is just, it, it is awesome. Uh, my biggest fear for all of international rugby is after this World Cup, when eventually England get the man that they need to run their team, and that is Warren Gatland. Because if Warren Gatland was it was with England, it would it, they would be the nailed on number one team, and it wouldn't be close with anyone, including New Zealand. I think you might Simple. be right. It's very much like Gatland. I think he's he's not always been perfect, but I do like Gatland. Uh, the more, it, I, the it, longer it's gone on, I, I was a bit frustrated years ago against uh, to Gatland ball. Now I've seen him. Play with different he is styles diversifying well. and yeah. and, try, and and yeah. and willing to try things as well because it sometimes felt like he was he sort of chained himself to this to to a style or to a player or to a system. But having the bravery to go, no, do you know what? Ainscombe's been playing well. I'm gonna yeah. let's give him a crack. Um, and I think the Wales will be better, much better equipped come World World Cup time for for the way that Gatlin's been approaching it recently. And I, I what I found impressive with them is just. I mean, it's, it's a prerequisite, and they've got some very skillful players, but the, the effort and the fitness of that squad yeah, yeah. is immense. Yeah. And I think that Australia win is important because that's the sort of belief that they need. Massive. And, you know, like, the, the area he's not been successful in is actually you know, the World Cup. That said, he's taken Wales with their tiny little population and their rubbish regions uh, to semi-final. a semi-final. And by the narrowest of margins, lost out to South Africa. You can't use that as you can't use that population thing because New Zealand are about the same as Wales. Yeah, but they all play rugby. Like they, <laughs> every man, child, and woman play rugby. So, you know, whereas Wales ignore um, ignore half the country up in the north. So, yeah, yeah, you are right though. Um, 
and also, but actually, New Zealand are uh, New Zealand are awash with um, you know amazing you know, amazing guys of Tongan, Fijian, Samoan heritage too. So yeah, it's not quite the same. Two two players I want to single out for this performance. Uh, number one, Justin Tipperick. Amazing. Oh, yeah. Two man of the match performances on the bounce. Sam who? Yeah. Yeah. Tipperick was sensational in attack and defence. Yeah. Uh, the other one, slightly different reasons. The scrum half, Thomas Williams. I love him. Yeah. Love him. He He's is. So I, was, I was watching uh, from a distance on my laptop in the kitchen, but from a slight distance, that's my... That's Mike Phillips. That's my he passes. <laughs> so he does he passes and then stands up and kicks his rear foot out as he passes. It's exact watch it. Like watch a nineteen sixties model. It's yeah. Ki- it is, like nineteen sixties actress kissing his, kissing a man in a film. His, pa- <laughs> <laughs> his pass from the base of a rook is exactly the same technique as Mike Phillips, with the little heel flick as he fires the pass out. So just something to, uh, to, yeah, to note for future Again, games. He's an amazing, amazing player. Oh, they've got some talent there, haven't yeah. they? I, you know, Reese Webb's not even in the picture. I yeah. do wonder if Reese Webb's going to make a move back, you know. In I'll... time for the... Yeah. Uh, too much money at all. I loved... Yeah, how awful is it there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I loved the... Uh, just the, just looking at that Wales bench this time. Mm. And seeing Liam Williams and Dan Bigger Dan on Bigger. that bench. Yeah. It's, it's, it's impressive stuff, isn't it? Mm. Lying on the bench as well. Corey Hill. Corey, Corey Hill. Hill. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Ellis Jenkins as well to come on is a, he's a hell of a player. Yeah. I, hell of a They're going to be um, very, very good come Six Nations. In fact, I can see them winning the Six Nations. You've already called France to win. Isn't that on the board? <sighs> if it's good. not on the board, you said it was going yeah, on the board. Yeah, I'll put that on the board. Well, do you know what? I don't know because so many teams are so good. <laughs> well, no, you've already said it's going on the board. The Six so. Nations should be great this year. Like, who is the best Six Nations teams? Ireland. And then second... Everyone else, and then last is then last Italy. is Italy. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a pretty fair the, assessment. Uh, the the, um, the Six Nations. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Um, expansion Bowl. Uh, Italy sort of comfortably beat Georgia. Yeah, it's interesting that because I was looking at that thinking oh, Georgia will be targeting this for a big win. Mm. But by the same token, and knowing what little I know about Conor O'Shea, Italy will have been targeting this as because everybody saying Georgia should be in the Six Nation is it, it kind of devalues everything that Conor O'Shea and that Italy squad, Sergio Parisi and the rest mm. of them, have been working for for the last twenty years. So Italy will have focused on this massively, and they got the result. Mm. 
2017. Uh, that's, that's a good win, though. That's a good size win. It, yeah, and it was... So there was a, a relatively late... So Italy were, were 28-10 up, and there was a relatively late uh, penalty try to Georgia, which made the scoreline more respe- respectable. But it was it was four tries to two. Your, your mate, Dean Budd, yep. getting, getting over the line. You just reminded uh, me with your... Um, oh, sorry, you were going to say something about Dean Budd, JB? No, no, just just what a great guy Dean Budd is, really. <laughs> your boy. Yeah, Buddy. You, uh, you reminded me when you were talking about uh, the Mike Phillips um, and... What's his face? Thomas Williams. Thomas Williams lookalike thing. Do you not think... Chris Ashton and Dylan Hartley and Dylan Hartley. Yep, yeah. It's it's like a before and after. Oh, who's the other one? Brad, <laughs> <laughs> like bikini body beach workout before Brad. and after. <laughs> who's the one? Brad Barrett and someone. Corby Sierra. Corby Sierra. Yeah, always look the same on TV. What like Corby Sierra is a sort of like an inflated Brad Shields. You, uh, oh no, no Brad. Brad Barrett. Barrett. Oh, Brad, Brad Barrett. Barrett. Oh, Corby Sierra and Brad Barrett. Corby Sierra and Brad Barrett. Three or four yeah. years ago, I thought you said Brad and Shields. There was a game. I can't remember which game it was. But there was a game where both Haskell and Tom Johnson, the Exeter open side, oh, yeah. were both wearing red scrum hats. Red scrum hats. No, it I wasn't. Remember. It wasn't. Was it? it was It was Tom Johnson and it was... Um, no. Was no, it Moritz no. Botha? Yes, Moritz Botha. Was it not Haskell and... It wasn't. Jo- it was Moritz Botha. Are you sure? 100%. I know my Moritz Botha games. <laughs> so Moritz Botha's not a name that... I have heard in a long time. What? Ford's coach of Germany? Germany. <laughs> yeah, him and Mike Ford. Yeah, Mike Ford. Doing the business. Well, doing the business. We'll be watching them in a few weeks' time. Two weeks' time. Two. God, it's only two weeks' time. Hold on, is it? What's the day Yeah, two, yeah weeks two weeks' time. Two weeks' time. Yeah. Yes, boys, 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 lads. <laughs> Sorry, what? <laughs> so, it was the first round of the repechage. Mm-hmm. Before we get onto the island game, of course, which we will touch upon. And Scotland. And Scotland, yeah. Whoa, whoa. A bit. So France, France, South Africa. We've kind of touched on that. No, we've, we've talked about one small part part of it. Okay, anyway, the repechage, the first first round this week was Canada versus Kenya. This is for the last Rugby World Cup place. This is it. This is the final spot. Uh, so Canada and Kenya and Hong Kong and Germany, they both played today uh, in Marseille, which is where we'll be watching them. Uh, and unfortunately, it was two one-sided victories, as we kind of predicted last week. Mm-hmm. Canada uh, won 65-19 against Kenya, uh, and they picked up a bonus point for their troubles, and Hong Kong lost to Germany. Uh, it was 9-26 to Germany. Mm. Uh, Germany did not pick up a bonus point. But unfortunately for us... It means that Canada play Germany next weekend. And that is going to be the decider. That's the shootout for the World Cup. It is very unlikely that that will not be the decider. It's possible, but it's very unlikely that it Christ, will be. That's an, so what are we going to do with our time in Marseille? Just going to watch Kenya v Germany. Well, there, there'll be some premier, premiership gone then, I guess. Are there any bars in Marseille? Who knows? Well, there'll be some... Canadians out celebrating getting to the World Cup, quite likely. Oh, or, yeah. or Germans. Or Germans, yeah. Oh, well, I actually um, I actually bumped into the German team after they uh, got beaten by Spain. They were in oh, a club yeah. da- da- down the road from our venue, which was quite, <laughs> quite good fun. You were making friends with one of the props, weren't you? He didn't like me. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that should be, um, yeah, it should be all good fun. So, and we expect it to be wrapped up by next week. Yeah, keep an eye on that to... And so the the winner has the pleasure 
of joining South Africa New Zealand in that group. <laughs> what, yeah. <laughs> what uh, a what privilege. A reward. Yeah. What a privilege. Good well, luck, boys. Ireland, Argentina. Ireland are going to need to be a lot better to beat New Zealand. They looked a bit rusty in they that did. first kind of, I don't know, I tell 40, you what, 50 though, minutes. One hell of a debut by, um, what's his name? <laughs> are you going to mention who I think you're going to mention? Uh, on debut. Kieran, no. on, on Will debut. Addison. <laughs> Will Addison was brilliant, <laughs> frankly. First, I tell you what I really like about... debut debut last week. It was, it was his debut last week. Yeah, but then, yeah, it's a different sort of, you know. Starting debut. Yeah. So he starts for Robbie Henshaw, who pulled out in the warm-up. Um, and what I liked about him is he he's got a certain leadership quality anyway, which I would you know, undoubtedly have told you about, told you about. But he just didn't miss a beat. He looked very very comfortable playing at that level with the, with those guys. And I think a lot of times you get a guy who comes in who will not play up to their potential because they're just a little nervous or they don't want to mess up or you know they're not a senior player. Well, you know, don't get me wrong. I don't think Addison is in you know, the top, top level of outside centres. But I think a lot of top uh, outside centres that will come in, a lot of top players will come in, will not play to their potential straight away. And I think that's exactly what he did. Well, equally, I think what's really good about the Irish system at the minute is they've got this big squad of 46 players, but because they have so many really, really good players in key positions, actually, it's, I think, relatively easy for the odd player to come and slot in quite comfortably. Yeah, drop out, drop in. Because it's think, such a clear yeah. system. They all know what they're doing. They, I mean, I do think he did more than just slot in. Um, no, no, no. That's, you no, that's, are absolutely right. He yeah, played it as he played easy well. as possible. It was the same when Bundyaki came in. He was like, oh, yeah, he looks... He's in, yeah, he can do Ring. it on an international stage. It's the same when any of them come in. Stockdale. Yeah, oh, yeah he's yeah, an Stockdale, international player. Ringrose, Lama. Yeah. A couple of seasons ago, Ty Furlong. Last season, James Ryan yep. came in. Who was Dan the, Levy. Yeah, James Ryan, who was man of the match in this and... Deserve man of the match. He was it's, superb. It's, yeah, you sort of go, Dan, leave it. You're going you're gonna to slot into the back row. Um, we're going to give you a crack alongside uh, Peter Amahani and uh, and Sean O'Brien. See how you go. It's like, yeah, yeah they're going to take care of you. Yeah, of, you course, know what I mean? of course it's going to be okay. Yeah, it's going to be fine. So, yeah, it's, yeah that's what I think is really impressive about Ireland. So, so uh, Ireland, Ireland, they made it hard work in the in that first half. Well, Partly because their line-up wasn't functioning especially well. Um, Who'd have thought, right? Here we are, 2018, and lineouts are quite important. Yeah, lineouts are line massively important. I've, I've, I have heard this down the line. Um, I, I tell you, the other reason I, I struggled is because um, Argentina showed them no respect. They were incredibly physical with them. Argentina played very, very well, and it, it was it was interesting watching the Channel Four coverage where both Jamie Heaslip and Luke Fitzgerald. Seem to be saying, seem to be surprised that Argentina were making life difficult for Ireland. <laughs> they, yeah. they were talking as if I, Argentina should have just come up, arrived, and deferentially rolled over to let the juggernaut that is Ireland have their way with them. Uh, yeah, I can. But Argentina, so they they, they, knew- they they thought they were playing, you know, Kenya in the repertoire, basically, <laughs> and they Thank- weren't. Thank goodness the island team seemed to do uh, more due diligence than the island team that weren't playing, that were just merely commenting on the game. Because uh, Ireland were in an arm wrestle against a very good Argent- oh, Argentine I team. In large periods of the game, Argentina were absolutely slamming them, ev- slamming them e- uh, um, everywhere. Uh, what I do love about Ireland, and I, you know, I, I love this about any rugby team that can do it, 
is the consistent pressure and phases that they put you under. And that, to me, that, that is the glory of rugby. I know everyone likes tries, expansive nonsense. But actually, <laughs> nonsense. being able to keep the ball and just dominate your opposite man over and over yeah. and over again until their will finally cracks and then someone scampers over, that, to me, is awesome. And that's what they're good at. Yeah. And in particularly in that second half, uh, leading up to the Luke McGrath try and leading up to a, a couple of penalties that they got late on, Ireland did. They exerted their will mm. they controlled the game they controlled the territory controlled the possession and they knew they were in an arm wrestle and they're the better team for it yeah they, they played they showed what they could do so it reminds me a little bit of the wasps game here wasps uh Leinster. Leinster. and the feeling must be after you put in such a defensive shift is what do we do now because we've thrown and i think argentina went through the same process which is they threw everything at ireland and then even that even with the points even when they went ahead in the second half and they are beating Ireland on the game line, but Ireland are, con- are continually keeping the ball. Just, well, what do we do now? Yeah. yeah. It's it's a horrible, horrible system to play against. But it could be quite fragile. You know, If they're not racking up points, it's hard to see how that is going to... Or maybe it beats the All Blacks. Who knows? As Argentina, that is, or as Ireland. Uh, Ireland. Uh, interesting. You know, it's, uh, it's a brutal game plan. It, it might work. No, well, so if England can reduce... New Zealand to 16 points, admittedly in dreadful conditions. I think Ireland, Ireland, I trust Ireland's defence more than I trust the England defence mm. overall. So, uh, yeah, I, th- I think they've got nothing to fear against the All Blacks. Okay, so uh, France, South Africa? Anyone from France, South Africa? Yes. Perfect. Loved. Finally. So, so I loved this game. This is my favourite. And is... I, I loved the last 10 minutes of yeah. this. The last 10 minutes of this were beautiful, beautiful chaos. Oh. Yeah. So... My favourite game of the of the week for two reasons. One, it was the best game, but also I decided it'd be my favourite game of the week last week when uh, we were doing the, when we were doing the previews. So it, you know, so you're right again. I mean, again. I, I nailed it again. Uh, good lord! I mean, it, it it was blood and thunder from start to finish. Uh, there are lads who play for France who, when we watch them, just have their way. Bastero always gets over the game line. Pickamoles always gets over the... They look like normal-sized humans. Like, Bastero <laughs> was actually getting manhandled. I mean, I've never... I've not seen any, anything like it. Pickamoles was making limited... I mean, probably if you looked at the stats, he, he's, he's probably done better than I said. And he wasn't bad, but he just wasn't Louis Pickamoles. He wasn't able to forearm fend people for fun. Uh, well, Bastero, just not going into the detail on the stats, but Bastero made eight runs. Yep. Jamie Roberts, how many yards would he have made? Oh, 24. Well, no more than f- four, <laughs> no less than two. Have I got that the wrong way around? Um, eight, to eight times three is 24. 24. How many did Bastero make from eight runs? Three yards. Seven yards. Wow. From eight runs. Wow. Uh, yeah, so, you know, he, they were just getting... Uh, they, they were getting manhandled in a, in a way you don't often see France getting manhandled. That said... Teddy Thomas then decides to explode in uh, explode into action and inexplicably beats every person on the field. <laughs> some, e- of the, some of them twice. Yeah, some of them twice. I mean, it's <laughs> what that boy can do. Is, it's amazing. I, I don't know how people are still surprised that he's so good. And then he gets caught by the last man with two uh, supporting phen- two supporting phenomenal attackers. tackle that was yeah. from Willie Leroux. Uh, but South Africa on mega. I mean, this is a team without even Elizabeth. Um, They've got Snayman on the bench. Snayman on the bench, who's a giant. 
No, no Luda Yaga? No. I mean, they're just huge. And they seem to be, I don't know what it is, they seem to have rediscovered their, their te- team identity now. They know what they're about. I think Andre Pollard makes an enormous difference, as does Faf. I mean, if these guys carry on improving, they are going to be up as, there. As does Willie LaRue, I would say. Yeah. His, his ability to come into line and play that second playmaker and take pressure off the kick in, make the decisions... He's a very, very good player, very mm. handy player to have, especially in kind of high stakes rugby. Yeah, but then, but you know, but on the other hand, then there's France. I thought Johan Johan Maestri uh, really stood up well. Um, Samani, when he came on, started. Uh, yeah, he scrummaged well, scr- scrummaging well, winning pe- um, uh, winning penalties. I mean, this this game, as good as South Africa are, and I think they are really good now and getting better. France held them until the very end. It was the last play of the game, three minutes into injury time, when France won. Uh, South Africa won. And with 30 seconds to go, France were on South Africa's line. Yeah. France had the ball on the South Africa's line with a five-point lead, four-point lead? So, uh, four-point lead. It yeah, four-point 26-22. Yeah, they couldn't draw. Yeah. And they conspired to turn over the ball, concede a penalty, Concede another penalty. Yanchi's almost missed touch. In fact, he did miss touch, but because the French winger caught it and then carried it into touch, they get another shot at it. This last 10 minutes were just properly French. Yeah. yeah, just chaos, but beautiful chaos that led to the try in the corner that was then disallowed because it was a forward pass correctly, that then led back to the kick, the another kick for the corner and Bongo Mbanambi. Crashing scampers over. in, yeah, hell of, scampers in. This was a great finish to a rugby game. I so I love South Africa's um, wing options. Deante, I think he's very excited. Although he had one of the worst thirty seconds of rugby <laughs> players ever had, yeah. jumping out of the line, misses a tackle, uh, misses a cross kick. Yeah, and then did they concede the try? Misses another tackle. I can't remember. And then and then he immediately scores. But he, yeah, is... it was the Girardo try. It was the first try yeah. that one. Yeah. Uh, more, more importantly, what do you think of the, the French stash now you've seen it again? Nah. I love the colour of the royal blue. Yeah. That's the, the, the royal blue I want France to have. None of this dark blue nonsense. The colour palette, sensational. I think maybe well, some like the of the... socks. Maybe some of the details. Yeah, socks are yeah, amazing. Blue shorts shirt, amazing. white shorts, red socks. Uh, yeah, I don't the, like the, the details. Like, it's a bit tr- too chunky for me, maybe. Yeah. But it's overall, so close to being amazing. Yeah, do you, do you overall, think, do you think, the, think the cotton isn't heavy enough? <laughs> it so, needs to be that like ultra absorbent <laughs> cotton. Yeah, the kind of thing if you spilt like two liters of coke in your kitchen, you just lie one of those shirts down, it absorbs the whole exactly. thing. Exactly, that's what they're missing. Ah, oh, heavy I, cotton. You do that as well. I'm so glad to hear you do that. <laughs> Sometimes when I have laundry by the washing machine ready to go in. And if it's a bit of a spillage, just <laughs> get, get some of the laundry under my foot and mop it up. <laughs> mop it up <laughs> with the laundry. It's getting washed anyway. Very smart. Life hacks with Tim Cocker. Oh, yeah. yeah what corny broadcast? I've got plenty of them. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm just going to reiterate, I love South Africa and I love France. Yeah, so this felt like the game where the two giants, they need to get all their ducks in a row for next year for their assault on the World Cup. This was the beef bowl. And it felt, yeah, it felt like they're both... They've both got weaknesses and they've both got flaws, but they're both they're getting ready to be a but to be real challengers for next year. Yeah, uh, who has South Africa got next? 
Oh, good question. We'll, we'll, we'll do that in a second. Oh, I'm so, so excited about that. It's a shame. I would love to have been talking at length about Scotland Fiji, but it was so, I, it was so one-way it. traffic. It was, And when you looked <laughs> at that Fiji side as well, I was you were thinking, oh, this is going to be something else. I did see the Mark Bennett. No, I didn't see that because he didn't score. The Tommy Seymour try. One of the Tommy, Tommy Seymour who scored a hat-trick. Oh, right. Okay, so that's how little I know about this game. But the try that I saw was, was very nicely worked. So I watched the first half an hour prior to the England game and I've seen the highlights now this was so I said beautiful chaos for the uh, France-South Africa game this was the epitome of beautiful chaos both teams wanted to play absolutely everything from absolutely everywhere Uh, great fun because of it but almost not a proper test match because if Scotland tried to play that kind of rugby against a serious nation they could get absolutely hammered because they, they were running from their five-meter line. Yes. Which you can't... But, I mean, guess. Scotland do do crazy things, though, don't they? They do crazy things. This was a little crazy, even for Scotland. And if it was against proper... Proper. Better opposition. Tier one opposition. It could have been a different result. Yeah. But, but they, I mean, they look good. They, they look very good. So much very, pace. So many attacking options. They are a very brave team. It wouldn't surprise me if they did do that against England. I mean, you know, that's how they beat England... In the Six Nations, they just the, threw everything the, at them. The it was was it Maitland who actually scored, but the Hugh Jones break from the Finn Russell, the, the, yeah. be, the best pass of 2018. Ignore all the sippers. Ignore, well, don't ignore them all, but you well, know. no, this was the best pass of 2018. It was lucky, wasn't it? <laughs> lucky. You know, it wasn't. It, it wasn't like sippers. But yeah, they did that from just outside their own 22. Yeah. So do it when the time is right. Don't do it all the time, which is what they tried to do. Uh, right. Sure, Maitland looked good. Yeah, um, I like the Fraser Brown look good. Tommy Seymour, in fact, both the Scottish wings were great. Brilliant. Finn Russell, you see the difference he makes. Yeah. Um, Jamie Ritchie as well, the young Edinburgh open oh, side. Oh, yeah, good shout. Who scored a, a try one. late on. He was superb. He was really, really good. It, it will be interesting to see in a more structured game because uh, he's fairly athletic, fairly free-flowing, and whether he will match up in a more athletic game against... Oh, sorry, a more structured, close-quarter game against a bigger team. But, yeah, he was very good. <coughs> Excuse me. Bless you. Okay. Um, On that note, is there anything else? Or shall we, uh, no, but um, I do want to say this. Stuart Hogg leaving yes. Glasgow, rumoured to be going to Exeter. Oh, yeah, I'll tell you another bit of news. That is a good signing. Yeah, it's a great signing for, for Exeter. But I'll tell you a bit of news which I wasn't pretty, pretty happy with, actually. Um, Alan Rowland. Is Alan Rowland? No, Lacey. Lacey? Referee Lacey. Oh, John Lacey. He's retiring. And uh, I'm just a little bit disappointed, really. I mean, the man has put in a lot of time to the sport. Whether he's been right with all his decisions or not is debatable. But, you know, I would have liked people uh, online to have given him a little bit of a better better send-off, really. You would like Twitter to have not been a negative, (laughs) overwhelmingly negative place, really? Yeah, uh, well, in this in Good this particular in this yeah. particular instance, I thought it was a little bit, you know, unbecoming because uh, you know, regardless of the decisions he's made, and not all of them have been good. Let's let's be honest. He has spent a long time refereeing games, and that's not an easy job. It's definitely not an easy job, and it, it, it is an important job. Not uh, not just at the highest level, at every level of rugby, refereeing is very important. Yes. Oh, exciting. South Africa have Scotland next week. Ooh, so well, that so, so a couple, speaking sorry. of G, uh, um, the young um, flanker, young Jamie Ritchie, mm. and more close quarters action. 
that'll be a real test for him against South Africa. Uh, yes, yes, it will. That'll be a real test, a meaty test. He's only yeah. going to have to wrestle. I mean, imagine wrestling with Dwayne Dwayne Vermaelen for oh, eight minutes. South Africa back row is awesome. So, so let's look at next week. We can we can cover England Japan. This is just. I saw someone say, and I think I'm inclined to agree with this. Eddie Jones should just give everyone on the fringes a chance, and I don't just mean the guys in the 32 man squad that weren't involved against um, New Zealand, but actually cast the net a lot wider still. People like Cipriani, like um, maybe even Don Armand or, or what, but other people who were on, on the outskirts of the England squad in the way that Ireland have a 46-man squad that they've been using in this uh, autumn period. And New Zealand, who played effectively yeah. a full second team against Japan. Yeah. Yeah, there, there is an argument for that. I think maybe some... People will need a bit more time, but uh, in terms of combinations, but yeah, I'm I'm happy with uh, casting a much wider net. I don't think he's going to. Well, he didn't was it last year. I can't remember the, the fixture. He played a game. Was it against Fiji last year? And ended up playing almost the same starting yeah. fifteen. Yeah. As he had the previous week. Yeah. It will be interesting to see. Mm. I'd like to just dangle that carrot a little bit. Just keep people interested because that's one of the things you sort of see. And again, it's like inexplicable. Ben Moon, never on the radar. Boom, he's in. He yeah. does well. Yeah. And actually, I just think in a World Cup year, just keep that, just keep those guys believing that, that they, let them know they're on the on the fringes by bringing them in this yeah, week. I just think it's got too much of a chance to backfire. That's my, I mean, if England were, you know, all guns blazing at the moment and doing great. Six Nation champs, blah 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 blah. I'd be with all, yeah, I'd be I'd be with you, but I think um, it's just too much too much of a risk. They're gonna absolutely muller Japan. Well, if we knew the result, we wouldn't play. Uh, uh, we wouldn't play the game. Mm. I think you just got to think bigger picture here. I mean, but... Japan scored thirty-seven points. Was it against? No, yeah, wasn't they that. conceded it's... seventy. Yeah, it was. It was a hundred-point game. 69-31. Yeah. So, yep. you know, maybe they're up to something. And they've got some very, very clever people. I think, is it is uh, Jamie Joseph? Jamie Joseph, the... Uh, uh, Tony Brown is probably one of the most sought-after attack coaches yeah. in the world. England are going to win, and what are they going to learn? That's kind of what... Uh, that's what I hope that's England don't win, I hope, I hope they don't. I'm going to play, <laughs> play a clip, clip back to you. But yes, <laughs> you are correct, thinking that England might win this game. They are heavy favourites. England yes. should do... South Africa should have beaten them in uh, Brighton three years ago. But yeah, I can't, I can't help but think that England will win. It's just how they win and what they learn from it. Yes. Um, Scotland and South, South Africa, that's a meaty test, that. Yes. It's the big one for Scotland. Yeah, this is a real... If Scotland want to kind of assess where they are in the world, this is the test. This is the one they want to be winning. Um, they won't win this. I'm not sure they will. I actually think Scotland are a lovely, a lovely rugby team. Uh, and I think it, whilst everyone has been on a bit of a downward spiral internationally, I don't think I don't think the last couple of years international rugby has hit its heights. Not by a long way. And I think uh, Scotland have basically been you know, sort of like in, inverse to that. They've, they've been playing really nice stuff. I now think all the top teams are becoming top teams again, and I think they might start start to overtake Scotland. And I think the raw power game alone in South Africa is going to be uh, more more than uh, more than enough to beat Scotland. 
Unless you can match fire with fire up front, them at Murrayfield are different different prospects. I don't. They think, are. I don't see them well, getting I mean, blown away. Like, yeah, I I do actually. I see ISIS going to be. Well, they, they didn't get blown away by the All Blacks last year. Yeah, but the All. Mm, yeah, yeah. I they I they, they hammered in... Australia last year. They did, they did hammer Australia. They did. Last, uh, yeah. Last year. Right here we go. I think this will be a good test. South, South Africa, fifteen points. No, I think it'll be less than that. I think if South Africa win, it will be by less than five. I actually see this being probably a similar game overall to the France Scotland uh, France South Africa yes. game. Um, maybe Scotland don't have quite the bulk up front, but they're very well drilled up yep. front, and they have got some serious firepower. They've got gas right across the battle They've line. They've got and they great play. backs. So I just yeah, don't think they're gonna have enough. I think it'll be I think it'll be a th- three point either way. But I am going with South Africa. Okay, then. Yes, I agree with that. Um, what else do we have? Uh, we've got Italy versus Australia. Nah, okay. O- Australia, big win. Yeah, Australia to win that. Wales play Tonga. Nah, okay, okay, fine. Happens. With the atmosphere of a municipal swimming pool <laughs> yeah. in the Principality Stadium. England play Japan. Uh, nah. Okay, yeah, fine. Okay. Uh, France host Argentina. Good game. Oh, I, I do like late the at night, beers. Yeah, five past eight. Should we do the same again, Jay? Hold yeah. on, hold on, hold on. That's going to clash. It, so it, this does. It, oh does come on! This does clash with the second half of Island Music. This kicks off at almost exactly the same time as the second half of Island Music. Yeah, this is exactly what they did this week. Yeah, it's a shame. Yeah, France kicking off at nine would be great. Yeah, it should just be a nine. It was nine last year. It should or be the year three, before. three, five, seven, nine. Because I was, um, we were playing at, at Tok H, and then we'd all go go into Didsbury. Hold on, we changed the function of the bell. Outrage bell. That's oh, right. Be. So no, well, uh, we should have used it loads so, earlier. Uh, outrage bell is this. <laughs> <laughs> so Tok H, Tok H is, is simply this, as, as a sale sharks. Oh, double ding, the, du- double ding for sale. Because he loves them double. <laughs> that is not true. <laughs> um. So, given that we've got over the outrage of the scheduling clash... God, I'm outraged. France-Argentina. Now, this is another... So, there's a couple of kind of duds this week, but this is a good test. Yeah, this is This great. is a great test for both of them. So, if France want to be competitive in the Six Nations, they need to beat Argentina in the same manner that Ireland beat them. This is also a World Cup pool match next year. Ah. In England's pool. It, it is. is. You're right. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Hang on. Yeah, it is. Are we watching Argentina? Uh, we, uh, we've we got tickets for USA-Argentina. Yeah. We have requested tickets for England-Argentina. And Fran- we're watching France-USA. Uh, we've got tickets for France-USA. Yes! What, what a group that is. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think this is going to be really close, actually. Because these are two of the most unpredictable teams in world, in world rugby. France... Could batter them, uh, as in physically batter them up front. It's not going to be a battering, no chance. Well, no, it could they, be though. Well, from from either side, Argentina. We, Argentina have played six games against three of the best teams in the world, and then come over and just played the second best team in the world. They're not going to get battered. No, no, no chance. I don't think you. Li- I don't think either of you are listening to me. This could be <laughs> a big score for either team. Oh, this okay. will not be. A, one of those close games. One of one of these teams is going to uh, run away with this. I just don't know which one it is. Because Argentina, can, can, they can score from almost anywhere. 
They've got some serious talent in yeah. their back three. But France, France too, can get on a score sheet like that. It's weird seeing Argentina with all this gas and then their forwards creaking a bit. Yes. Well, they're, they're better on the park than they've traditionally been. Um, but the, the, you know, the scrum is a pale imitation of yeah. what it used to be. Uh, and France's is pretty good. That's fair to say. And when you've got Slomani on the bench to come on at tight head and mess everyone up, it's a, it's a powerful proposition. Predictions then? 15 point win to one of these teams. 15 point, to either, either? Yes, to one of them. <laughs> France will win. France by six. I want to go for Argentina. I'm gonna go for Argentina. It's crazy. Two of my favourite kits. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. This is a this is a, a kit off. This is a total stash, stash fest. This one, all over that. Give me Argentina by five points. Argentina have got history beat in France in France, 2007. Yes, they do. Although eleven years ago, <laughs> so I'm not sure how relevant it is to this conversation. Yeah, yeah. but give me Argentina. I and would then like, I would like to see the. Um, Oh, whatever. Where did France play again? Stade de France. Stade de France. Packed. Because it, it, it wasn't for the South Africa game. No, it wasn't packed. There was a, there was a lot of flags going on and there seemed like quite a good atmosphere. Ooh, I'd, it's I'd in the to Stade, France in Stade, Stade de France. Stade Pierre Moroy. Where's that on his home? Don't know. Let me tell you now. Is it's, it It's not the dystopian... Oh, I hope it is. Uh, Lille. Lille? Lille? Yeah. Wow. That's in mid-France, isn't it? So 50,000 people can fit into the Lille Stade Where Pierre is Lille? Moroy. It is. Uh, oh, wow. It's uh, basically in Belgium. It's oh, is a, it? It's about, uh, I don't know, 200 kilometres directly north of Paris. Oh, right. No, is it much rugby Oh, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's not, not a rugby from, hotbed, is it? Not far from Cali. It's not a rugby hotbed at all. At it's all. only the two... Uh, Parisian clubs in the north. Yeah, so everyone else is in the uh, I don't mid know if you, to south. I don't know if you know, but the world's one of the world's great wingers has uh, moved over to a club in France called um, Car- Carcassonne. Um, so <laughs> as I looked up Car- Carcassonne, see where it was geographically. I, my, geo- my, my geography in France is rubbish. So of course I, I know everyone knows who you're talking about, but but uh, so I, I know no one needs me to say so, but I'll just say anyway. Uh, Tom Brady. Tom Brady, Formerly yes. Sale Sharks. Uh, for, formerly and Leicester Tigers. And Leicester Tigers, but he's moved to Carcassonne now. So I had a quick look on um, on, on, on uh, Google Maps, see what Carcassonne is, and it is staggering the amount of huge rugby names there. I mean, it's like going to play your rugby in, um, I know, Coventry or something, and then looking at all uh, like all the amazing rugby teams there. It really is amazing. It's got, like, to well, lose 40 minutes like when, cast. Do you remember when Manchester, Greater Manchester had... Bolton in the Premier League. Yes. Um, who else? Well, it's Bolton. Those. I mean, Blackburn's a Wigan, little bit. Wigan, 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 Premier League. Yeah. City, United, City, United, City, United. <laughs> and, you know, and you've got all those lower league teams. Liverpool, Everton, Oldham, Liverpool, Everton, thirty miles away. Stoke. So, yeah, yeah, it, it, it well, is like that. So Lille doesn't come to mind though. So Carcassonne is equidistant. It's in the centre of the triangle, uh, the triangle which has Toulouse to the northwest. Perpignan to the southeast and Montpellier to the northeast. Can you imagine playing your so cover on there? It'd be awesome. It's also in a triangle of amazing cheese, cheese yes. and wine. I was in Carcassonne over the summer. Very nice. <laughs> Some good food. And uh, just down the road, I'm just looking on my uh, Google Maps. I've got a star in Limoux to the south. 
which is where Blanquette de Limoux, uh, sparkling white wine, is oh, made. Right. Oh. <laughs> cool story, bro. <laughs> uh, yeah. Welcome to your middle class rugby uh, <laughs> rugby podcast. Right, the big one, then the big Absolutely. one. Come on. Right. Another game so about, Sean O'Brien has broken his arm. That's a shame. Oh. He will not be involved. Sean O'Brien has had some horrible luck. Uh, so have a, a few other players as well. Not just Sean O'Brien, but his horrible luck for such a talented player. Yes. I, lo- I love watching him play as well. Ireland can 100% cope with that. They uh, can. How are they going to get on against the world champs? So, two years ago, we had the game in Chicago where Ireland beat the All Blacks for the first time ever yes. in 100 plus years of playing each other. Uh, we then, two weeks later, I watched, I was at um, the Aviva Stadium for the repeat, the rematch, where from the first minute where New Zealand won their kickoff and 20 phases and four minutes later crashed over for a try and that set the tone for the entire game. They were just, they didn't give Ireland a sniff. Now, I, I remember after that game, we were talking about like Twitter. That was the saltiest I've ever seen Twitter after that game. <laughs> about there was, was, there, was a, there was a shoulder to the head of Johnny Sexton, and it was oh, yeah. it was the saltiest Twitter's ever been. Anyway, wowzer. So, oh, sorry, gents. <laughs> Squeaky chair, Tim. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I think this is going to go something similar. This really, will, this will be an absolute arm wrestle. I think Ireland are going to be in it the whole way, but New Zealand will do what New Zealand do, and they will get a couple of sniffs, and they will be unbelievably clinical and finish them off, and they will take points where they can, and they'll win the game. I hope the weather's good. Now, what happens to New Zealand if Ireland play like Ireland do, and they start grinding them? And they suffocate. 20 minutes before the half and 20 minutes after. You know, that golden hour... If you like, because that's where that's where well, I'd be targeting them. What they need to 20, do: twenty really... minutes before the half, twenty minutes after that golden hour. <laughs> yeah, because you've got twenty minutes, in, <laughs> twenty minute in, window in the middle. In the middle. Oh yeah, uh, or fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah. yeah. What they really need to do is the second twenty minutes of each half. That's when yeah. you need to put pressure on New Zealand because just when they you always are score fati- before half time, don't they? Yeah. Yep. Just when you are fatiguing, when your team, you think you're on the up, you're starting to get tired, you're starting to relax slightly mentally. New Zealand just exploit it, and yeah. they, they take the points. They did it against England, England 15-0 up, and then all of a sudden go in 10-15 at half-time. Agreed. That's when you need to hit. That's when you need to grind New Zealand out. I think I'm going to win this. Mm. It's got a feeling. How? Uh, I think they're going to keep the ball. I think they're going to... I, I, that's basically it. I think they're going to go multiple phases, and I wonder if New Zealand have got... The, got Mm, I think the answer's that. Probably. Just just check it. We haven't seen a red card yet in the in the. No, area, I do we? we didn't see much of high tackles this week. I, I'm I'm yeah. predicting a uh, a high profile a, red card. A high profile red card in this one. So mm. I think the I think Ireland are going to know they're going to have to be so physical and smash New Zealand the way that England did. But they, yeah, if, they don't they don't struggle for that Ireland. So no 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 I don't think they struggle for it at all I think it plays into it plays into them that they that they're all about work ethic and physicality um and just relentless pressure I'll tell you something so I don't think you'll see Sonny Bill so my comment before about this not being uh, New Zealand's first choice team or certainly not being New Zealand's first choice backline I think you're going to see Ben Smith move to 15 mm-hmm. 
I think you might see Waisaki on the wing. Okay. Or possibly someone else. You uh, want he has to play, doesn't he? You want he has you to play. And I think you'll see Crotty coming at 12. Tell you what, apparently he's, he's off his game a bit at the moment. Uh, word, in, word in the camp. Who? Uh, you want he? You want he? Well, I don't know if you know this. He's, uh, he's the owner of the prestigious uh, Egg Chasers tie. Yeah, and apparently, same for as breakthrough player of the year. Yes, yeah, sa- same as happening. Ha- uh, same as happened uh, happened to Barrett, and they're actually both worried that they won't be able to keep hold of their ties, Ooh. or they won't win another well, one. Well, that, that's motivation to put one over on Johnny Sexton. Uh, absolutely, next yes. weekend. Uh, do you know what? It's the prospect fill, of that egg chaser's tie. It's going to fill my heart with joy when I give that tie to Fafta Clerk, <laughs> and when you take one off, when you kick Bowden Barrett in the head, yeah, and yeah. take his tie off him, exactly. Well, it's going to be foot, foot to head. It's not going to be a kick. <laughs> no, it's, yeah, sorry. Not a kick. It's foot to head. But yeah, the, yeah. the World Player of the Year award, I think, could well be decided on the weekend as well. You so, might be right. You so, know. you know, I think it's going to be Fafta Clerk. Any any advances on Fafta Clerk? Johnny Sexton. N- not Fafta Clerk. Anyone but Faf. That's ridiculous, mate. Johnny or... Just give it Bowden again. Tim? Yeah. Uh, probably if Johnny Sexton is ever going to win it, it's this year. Yeah. Um, but it depends. If Ireland go and beat New Zealand, did, yes, it'll be Johnny Sexton. Did Johnny do the, the triple this year? Six Nations, Euro- Champions Cup final and Pro 14? Yeah, they don't count domestic rugby, do they? Do they not? Oh, uh, No, of course they don't, because it's ILB. World Rugby. Oh, sorry, yeah, World Rugby. Whoops. <laughs> do they that. not count any... Surely you've got to take it into consideration. No, no, I think Tim. I think Tim. Tim's right. You don't. I think it's based okay. on international rugby. I yeah, think. Okay. I don't so Fafta Clerk has to win it. Has to. <laughs> right. Uh, Had South Africa beaten England, yes. I bet he wasn't playing in that game. But nevertheless, I think we'll, we'll see. Anyway, this weekend, I <laughs> yes. think I, I think this is really, really hard to call. It's gonna the atmosphere. Oh my god, it's gonna be so good. I hope Ireland win. I hope for the. I hope for, Ireland win. For the game and to bring New Zealand down a peg or two and to, to give everyone else hope that New Zealand are beatable and get, show a way that teams can beat New Zealand. For I hope year. there's a victory at the end and I'd, I'd like it to be Ireland. So I hope Ireland win via a very dodgy, contentious TMO-based decision. <laughs> no, you don't. You hope they <laughs> no. lose. You hope they lose to a dodgy TMO-based decision. <laughs> I know how your mind works. No. No, no dodgy no. decisions. Let's talk about rugby next week, yes, not TMO absolutely. decisions. Absolutely. Cool. I don't want to have to comb through world rugby announcements oh, and protocols God. and laws. I just want to watch the rugby and enjoy the rugby. The, yeah, the only um, press release I want from world rugby, unlike the one today where they go, we back the decision to blah, blah, blah. I want them just to go, our official, world rugby's official position is that was an absolutely amazing game. Amazing test match. Yes, done. There you go. Mic drop, we're out. You know where to find us. Thanks for listening. Tell your mates in a bit. Bye-bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.